0: Welcome to the Evangelizing Catholic Culture Podcast Show with your host, Father David Tickerhoof, T O R. Father David is a retired priest currently ministering in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at Our Lady, Queen of Peace, House of Evangelization. You can find the show notes for each episode on the podcast website, Evangelizing Catholic Culture the teachings in this podcast are the thoughts and prayers of Father Tickerhoof and are based upon his good standing in the Catholic Church. And now, here's your host, Father David. You can find the show notes for today's episode at Evangelizing Catholic evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com. Look for the podcast. Renewal and Reform, Episode 7.
1: Good morning to everyone. This is Father David, and I'm wishing you all a very uh, happy Easter and a wonderful spring as as things get warmer here in the north. I'm going to talk about the Church's Grace of Renewal and Reform a little bit more than I did in the last one and try to make it more specific to where things are going in in our life these days. The times have changed. For some, the initial enthusiasm that people have experienced in years gone by for, from different retreats and renewal movements, they have sort of died down, and some many have returned to a past weaknesses or a more lethargic spiritual life in a very, Busy and secularized society. By secularized, we mean over-concentration on the things of this world. The busyness, the distractions, the distress and fatigue of modern life can easily draw people away from centering on the, quote, of the hard work, unquote, of spiritual growth and human maturity and generous service to our brothers and sisters. It seems like a good time to look at the possibility of reasonably providing new opportunities for transformation, for change, for newness of life beyond the confines of any specific renewal movements that are currently in existence. And also consider supporting individuals who may want to make a new start and at the same time, provide opportunities which possibly could serve others in seeking spiritual empowerment for their own personal lives. So now, speaking about the Church's grace of renewal and reform. Mentioning again that Pope Benedict XVI said a number of times at the Council that the reality of the Paschal mystery, the death, resurrection, the death and Passion, Death, Resurrection, Ascension, and descending of the Holy Spirit completes it, is the central message of the Council and combining that statement with the words of St. Anthony of Padova, which was, every Christian, he says, needs to bring alive the reality of Pentecost in their life before they die. We find ourselves at the doorstep of the possibility of a, quote, new empowerment, unquote, of the grace of the Holy Spirit beyond the confines of the renewal movements in the church. This is a good thing. While not minimizing in any way the ongoing good that the renewal movements continue to do, we can try and design an approach that brings about the same reality in a somewhat extended an altered format, a format which also may be attractive at this time in the church's life beyond the positive activity of the renewal movements in individuals' very busy and active lives. This effort may also give us the opportunity to broaden the characteristics of this new approach, which can include some elements of growth that are not normally considered in the the sound methods of the renewal movements. For example, developing little spiritual growth plans. Another example, uh, rather than dry, uh, uh, unattached intercession, power-centered. How do we do power-centered intercession and prayer for others that really makes a tremendous difference in their lives? This type of thing is really about finding ways of effectively evangelizing Catholic culture. The challenge presented here is how should we go about designing an effective program or activity that would accomplish the necessary objectives. I know Jesus told his disciples that a wise servant knows how to bring out of his storeroom things both old and new. Instead of us, using one of the seminars in the Renewal Movement, which we all are familiar with, and and which are very effective when focusing on a renewal in the Holy Spirit, we may want to try and adopt a format which approaches a broader experience which embraces the church's grace of empowerment. And here we're not speaking of the, the new catechumenate or a form of the RCIA. Why? because these very good programs are far too lengthy. We need something simple, something which becomes the new wineskins to hold the new wine of our hopes and our spirit-filled and grace-filled objectives and considers something that would consider the full perspective of the Paschal Mystery, the power of the cross, the power of the resurrection, the power of the Spirit the gift of mercy. What we are seeking is the full impact of the death, the resurrection, the ascensions, and Pentecost, which is an experience of the full power of the cross, the resurrection, the glorification, and the empowerment of the Spirit sent by Jesus and the Father at Pentecost we're seeking a simple format or program which brings these crucial graces together as one profound, growing, and maturing experience. When we give attention to the complete experience of the Paschal Mystery, it's necessary to concentrate on the new life we have in the mystery of Christ. This new life is at the heart of and the core of the form of the gospel. The starting symbol would be the blood and water flowing from the pierced heart of Christ Jesus on the cross. The gift of Paschal spirituality is the gift of divine mercy. In this season of mercy, we seek to live in the new life of the power of the cross, which generates, sanctifies, and consecrates us in the gift of of salvation. The Lord from the cross spoke to Francis of Assisi. Now I'm going to use the Francis of Assisi and the example of his conversion uh, to so, sort of illustrate and demonstrate what conversion is really like, what it seems like in the life of a person. <clears throat> Francis in San Damiano, the little chapel right outside the walls of Assisi, was praying one day before the crucifix, and he had a deep mystical experience, and Jesus spoke to him from the cross and said, Francis, you see that my house is falling into ruin. Go and rebuild my church. In a real sense today, we have a similar call from the Lord in regard to the church's grace of renewal and reform in this age. It starts with a renewed experience of living in, quote, the power of the cross, unquote. Francis felt that it was truly Christ crucified who had spoken to him. We find this in the Omnibus number 903. His conversion was centered upon Christ on the cross. In Christ on the cross, Francis felt that the deepest and truest root of his choice to be a penitent was touched and made real. Excuse me. The suffering of Christ explained, illuminated, and justified all human suffering. Francis' conversion fell within the context and sphere of the suffering Christ. It became an effective sign for all those who wanted to abandon their sinful way of life in order to unite themselves with Christ and in Christ. Francis saw the suffering of Christ was a superhuman value in the reality of human experience and existence. It was the only power able to give meaning and sense to human suffering to the point of attracting people to seek this suffering and to accept it freely in order to come closer to Christ and to be one with him in the Father. We find this in the high priestly prayer of Jesus in St. John's Gospel, chapter 17, the idea of oneness with the Father and Jesus and with one another. What impressed Francis was the power of the cross for all who wanted to call themselves Christians? And who wanted their whole life to be freed from living selfishly as lived independent of God. That is, a life not consciously lived in response to God. Therefore, we may want to embrace a life of penance, not specific actions, not at all specific actions here, but a conversion of heart, a change of life, not simply just penitential practices, but a life lived, quote, in God, a life continually lived in God through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the cross, the power and life of the resurrection, the power and life of the Holy Spirit, this is the church's grace of renewal and reform. Now we need to look at the power and life of the resurrection the good approach to this task is to go right to Easter Sunday night, which we've done recently. And this is entitled, The Appearance to the Disciples. This is taken from John's Gospel. On the, evening, quote, On the evening of the first day of the week when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, whose sins you retain are retained. Unquote. The power and life of the resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost was given to them when Jesus breathed on them. For Jesus, who had not yet gone to the Father when he met Mary Magdalene at the tomb earlier in the morning, so it seems, because he said to her, stop holding on to me. What he was saying to her was that he had changed. He isn't the historical Jesus that she knew. It was something more. There was a substantial new change. And she needed to change to relate to him in a new kind of way. And he says, stop holding on to me, for I have not ascended to the Father. Now in John 17, to chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus was now, Easter Sunday night, Fully at the right hand of the Father, he had done that. He had gone to the right hand of the Father. He was glorified, fully glorified in his divinity, exercising his full divine power of the resurrection as the glorified one.
0: Breathing on
1: them at at Easter Sunday night on the disciples, he powerfully commissioned them to bring this new life and power to others. He baptized them in the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. So now we turn to what Scripture calls the Gentile Pentecost, to take a look at that. Keep in mind that the shalom, the peace that Jesus gave them, was the shalom not just of feeling good and peaceful, but the the power... Of the gift of Jesus' resurrection, the shalom. I've done it all. It's completed. I did it for you. I sacrificed my life. It's over. It's together. And now we move forward and we share this life as He breathed on them with others, with others. And so now we go to the, uh, as an example to get the sense of the power of the Spirit. You remember in the Acts of the Apostles, Peter was called from Joppa up to Caesarea to the house of Cornelius because an angel had told Cornelius to send for Peter. So Peter arrives at the household of Cornelius and he begins to tell him about Jesus. Before he could even finish, the Holy Spirit fell on the whole household and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Now Peter, who was surprised as much as anybody else, a short while later, he journeys back to Jerusalem, and he is being criticized by some of the Jewish priests who had become converts to Christianity. So he tells them the whole story. He tells them what happened and how the, the Spirit had fallen upon them, just like it had happened to the Jewish people in Jerusalem at Pentecost. After this is over, these the priest converts said, Oh, we see... The Gentiles have been given, quote, life-giving repentance, unquote, just as we have. They call the anointing of Pentecost, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they called it life-giving repentance. In the scriptures, repentance and penance are the same thing. They're interchangeable. So we find this account of them criticizing and talking to Peter in Acts chapter 11, verse 18. Now we're going to speak about the power of the cross, the gift of the power and life of the resurrection, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. These threefold empowerments we see from this scripture uh, are experienced as the paschal gift of the church's grace of renewal. It will be the task of all of us to design a dynamic program, which may be called I don't know what to call, but. Let's give it a try. Let me call, quote, the baptism in the spirit of the paschal mystery, unquote. This approach is verified by a prayerful reading of Scripture and the core message of Vatican II, which messages the proclamation and centrality for the Christian, for every Christian, of the paschal mystery. So it seems to me that a teaching format which can bring Christians who want to receive or recommit to the church's grace of renewal in a fresh manner would be necessary. This program would need to contain the substance of the threefold paschal graces of empowerment. It would also be necessary to adapt to our busy postmodern society. This program would not follow the current lengthy adult education formats, but probably should be designed to a short seminary style, which could be done on a weekend or possibly a three-day approach. The teachings would not be long, maybe about 20, 25 minutes at the most, with an opportunity for some discussion. At the end of the program, prayer for commissioning and re-empowerment or empowering Being empowered anew would certainly be necessary. And some suggestions on how to keep the grace of this experience of the program they completed while using some appropriate and useful tools for growth would be a good thing. So we need to talk to people who have this experience of the program of renewal. We need to give them some practical ways and practical tools of, of growing and continue to grow in the ever-deepening empowering of this empowerment and, and love that has been given to them in this program. So to start the teachings uh, in, in a program like this just from scratch, cold, without some preparation, would probably not be wise. Individuals should be ready and open to enter the program, therefore, uh, maybe some means of preparation that would give them a jump start and, and get their heart and mind ready to receive the graces of what this, this uh, program of renewal would be about. A life review session with a trained person who could guide a person to necessary forgiveness and other matters of transformation would, would definitely be a real plus if that was available. Now, that's not available to most people. So it's not absolutely necessary at all. But if that was someone's opportunity, be a wonderful way to prepare. Another possibility is that the person making the seminar would prepare by reading some appropriate scripture or some devotional, chosen devotional, or make a long general life review and go to confession. The Sacrament of Reconciliation it'd be a wonderful way to prepare. What would be the content of these preparations? What basic themes would attract us to this renewal seminar? Well, let me just talk about nine sort of ideas here, and I'm sharing these in a way in which I'm inviting response of individuals who could really grab onto this and develop a wonderful program with us, this would be wonderful. So we probably need about nine presentations to do justice to the quality of a renewal seminar. This is where I would invite those who are good at designing faith formation programs to step forward and be willing to share their thoughts and wisdom with us. But here are some of the themes to consider. I'm just going to briefly and simply go through them. Number one, what is the Paschal mystery and its relationship to the Word of God, to Scripture? Two, who is the person of Christ who lives and dwells within the Father's children, every person who has received water baptism? How do we want to understand the experience of the power of the cross, the new life and power of the resurrection, and the complete empowerment of the Holy Spirit? This is a season when God is being super generous with his mercy. What does it mean to know and follow Jesus in this special time of grace? Number five, as I grow in the love of the Lord, what kind of changes do I need to make in my personal life? Number six, what hopes and desires do I have for the future? What are my expectations? What's the personal spiritual vision for my life? Seven, once I have a clear direction for my life and I am living the risen life of Christ, what does it mean to share Jesus with others? Am I interested in small group sharing? Eight, how do I believe the Lord wants me to serve him in gratitude for what he has given to me? Nine, and the final one, what is the mission in being a Christian? What is the mission a Christian is called to? So now I want to talk about something that was in the recent history of the renewal uh, movements in the church. It's called the Fire Movement. Fire, F-I-R-E. And then I'm going to quote John. I'm going to quote uh, Scripture, Matthew 4:11. John the Baptist told the people. I am baptizing you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire, fire, fire. If you have made any contact with Evangelizing Catholic Culture podcasts and may have an interest in small group fellowships, This possibility will eventually be available through the podcast. So the question is what is the nature of a fire group? Fire, by its nature, has the ability and power to cause destruction. It consumes what it ignites, and it totally changes the object which it consumes.
0: It is used in numerous
1: ways in the scriptures. In the story, of the destruction of the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah, it is used for destruction because of the depravity of the citizens of those two towns. So in view of God's judgment, it is seen as punishment. However, it is primarily used symbolically in the scripture, in the word of God. For example, Moses wandering in the desert comes upon a burning a bush burning without being without being consumed he is warned not to come any closer because a voice told him that he is on holy ground to remove his sandals in this instance fire symbolically represents the active presence and the energetic source of god's holiness In the book of Revelation, the symbol is used as a purifying agent. It purifies from the dross of sin. For Christians, symbolically, it will test our work of growing as a Christian in holiness when the Lord comes. And it will be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each one's work, 1 Corinthians 3.13. When viewing the work of fire internally in a human person, we see it illuminates the mind. let uh, see this in Ephesians, Ephesians 5.29. It is a light that illuminates and leads us to see the things that are pleasing to God. It illuminates the mind and energizes the will as it gives strength to the soul. Fire, it, is, it warms the heart with the consolations of the spirit. In relationship to personal personal holiness, it inflames us with love. And finally, at the Pentecost event, tongues of fire appeared over the heads of the disciples. This fire represented the Pentecostal anointing which bestowed on each disciple of Jesus all that Jesus won for us in the Paschal event, the Passion, the Death, the Resurrection, glorification, and this was done by Jesus and the Father sending the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God, to us. A good number of years back, four individuals put together a ministry called FIRE ministry. The reason the acronym FIRE, F-I-R-E, was used was the fact that it defined the nature of the ministry, drawing on the reality that the meaning of the word called upon the rich meanings of the use of the word in the word of God. It identified a preaching ministry, and each letter stood for a salient feature in the ministry itself. For example, faith, F, stood for faith, It stood for the dynamic experience of a personal relationship with God and Jesus Christ. Faith, the gift of faith, and, of course, love. I stood for all forms of intercession, Uh, not just an an intellectual or cerebral uh, idea intercession, but a power-centered intercession that brought change in people's lives. I. F. I. R. Stood for spirit-filled, life-giving repentance or penance. Repentance is the gift of change that comes from the work of the Spirit in the soul. And E stood for evangelization and/or mercy work. The fire team would set locations in various places in an auditorium and schedule a fire event. Each individual would give an inspirational talk on the topic on the specific topic, F-I-R-E. It was very popular in the renewal for several years, but for various reasons, it seemed to have lost its attraction. However, when the four topics are joined as one, the word identifies a tremendous process of evangelical change and transformation. Some would use the term spirit-filled conversion, Taking the dynamic reality of this process of transformation, it is very possible and expedient to identify and apply this work, this work of grace, to a fellowship process, to a small group fellowship process. In other words, it is the intention of the Evangelizing Catholic Culture podcast to encourage and work towards establishing a kind of a movement, opportunity of fire groups as units of growth to provide the development of this fourfold work of formation and transformation. This attempt would definitely be an example of the podcast's work of evangelization. Therefore, we who are receiving the unshakable kingdom should have gratitude with which we should offer worship worship pleasing to God in reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, verse 29. May we pray. Lord Jesus, to know you is eternal life. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I love you and I place my trust in you. I'm sorry for all of my sins and for withholding myself in any way from you. Please forgive me and heal any pain I have caused others. I forgive anyone who has hurt me, and I ask you to bless them. In your name, Jesus, I renounce anything in my life that is not of you that I have welcomed into my mind or heart. Wash me clean in your mercy and fill me with your precious blood and the Holy Spirit. Father, all of my need for love and affection is found in your embrace, for I am your son, I am your daughter. May I never leave my home in your heart again. By your grace, I resolve to remain in your shelter and abide in your shade, where you restore to me the joy of your salvation. Amen. This prayer was brought about by Father John Horn and those that worked with him to design this prayer. May God bless you.
0: The opinions on this broadcast are those of Father Tickerhoof. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast, and please share this podcast with a friend. And to contact Father David, email him at frdavidjt at gmail.com. And be sure to leave Father a star rating on any podcast app. You can find more information about Father David on evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com.